Welcome to NextCast. My name is Nathan Whitlock, an editor at Humber Press. NextCast is a podcast about teaching and learning at Humber College. Every episode, we talk to some of the faculty and staff who are leading innovation both inside and outside the classroom. This episode, we talk to Paul Cross, the program coordinator for Humber's broadcast radio program. We'll be talking to Paul about getting new students ready for post-secondary learning. Welcome to NextCast, Paul. I was wondering if you could tell me briefly about the work you do here at Humber College. Sure. I'm a professor in the uh, School of Media Studies. I uh, teach uh, courses in the Radio Broadcasting Diploma Program, and I coordinate the um, postgraduate, the Graduate Certificate Radio Broadcasting Program. Uh, Most of the courses I teach are about radio news, but I also teach courses about um, other types of radio production that involve interviewing and music and and, um, drama and various kinds of radio production. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of students coming into to Humber straight from high school and making that transition to post-secondary education. But I want to take you back to when you were doing that. Now, when you when you made that transition, do you remember freaking out over it or did you handle it like a pro? Well, <laughs> I'll say I handled it like a pro. I probably freaked out a little bit. Um, I went from high school into college and right straight into a radio and television broadcasting program, a three-year program. It was what I really wanted to do. So I would say, in the sense of saying handled it like a pro, I was diving into something that I had been waiting years to do. Um, so um, I don't think it was a, a difficult transition. I don't think of it of a lot of a lot of a transition really at all, except I drove to classes every day instead of walking. <laughs> so you didn't have that sort of first semester crash that some people experience where they they suddenly find themselves out on their own and having to do this stuff on their own? Not that I recall. In your own teaching career, I mean, how often have you taught first-year students? You, you mentioned you're the program coordinator for a, for a post-grad uh, a program, but in terms of students coming straight out of high school, how much uh, how much teaching do you do for that? I see students uh, in the diploma program who would be right out of high school. I see them in their first semester. I see them in their first semester and in their second semester. And when you're when you're teaching those students, what are the kinds of patterns you see? What are the kinds of uh, behavior that you see that that often happens with in that first semester with with new students? I've discussed um, the transition into, into post-secondary education with, with some students. Um, and one of the things I think I see is, is I'm trying to get them to, to grasp the, the idea that uh, it's no longer about knowing the right answer to try to pass a test. Um, it's rather about thinking about the things we're discussing in class and to actually participate in discussion and put your ideas out there. And then your work is going to be in how you can apply the ideas and the skills that went with the ideas and the ideas that go with the skills, how you can apply that now to the work that you're going to submit in, in your assignment. So it's a, And someone was saying to me the other day, a student was telling me how they felt that the, in high school they had been taught in order to pass a test. Right, and, right. And I'm saying we're, this, is, this is not what we're doing here. The classroom discussion, the skills we work on together, the ideas we talk about are to help you now um, to inform what you're going to create to show me how you're grasping these skills by submitting your assignment. This idea that came up actually in, in our previous episode in my, in my conversation with Douglas Smith 
in the context of students coming from other cultures where they're not, you know, they're not permitted to question the teacher. They're, it's more the teacher gives them content, they, they recite the content back. So it takes them a little while to get used to the idea of, oh, we can ask questions, we can discuss this stuff, we can use critical thinking. But that's interesting that it, it also comes up in the idea of someone coming out of high school and seeing this as like a checklist mm-hmm. that, you know, I do this, boom, 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 get the grade and I'm done. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, how do you break them out of that? How do how do you what kind of strategies do you use? Uh, well, I offer them. I would say a number of uh, learning materials that I think are helpful that I hope will um, uh, get them to think about what comes out of class and how to apply it. So I don't use a textbook. There's no textbook that would accurately, in my view, uh, portray the things we need to know about doing news specifically for radio, specifically in Canada. There just isn't one. So I write a lot of resources that I provide to students. I I write um, Word documents, um, resources, I call them, uh, that are maybe a guide on how to do a particular uh, function in a newsroom, how to apply a particular skill, things you need to think about that go with a certain piece of information, such as how to safely report a legal story about a crime kind of thing. I will do podcasts where I'll record them produce them in my office that might be just me or might be me pulling some audio from other places and dropping in things to to illustrate the point I'm making. And I uh, create resources such as um, instructional videos, Um, sometimes little handheld things I shoot on an iPhone and and drop into Blackboard, sometimes bigger pieces I produce in the studio and use Lightboard technology to explain a skill. Um, So I I try to put those out there. And I also keep in mind that more and more, I would say, with first semester students particularly, who've chosen to study in my area, and my area happens to be radio, I remind myself I need to introduce them to radio more than I ever have in the past. Right. Because people listen to different types of audio in so many different ways today, and because I cannot assume that I'm talking to a room in which everyone had the radio on this morning. Right. I have to bring some radio to start the discussion. I mean, this will be the same thing for, you know, teaching students television. It's some television broadcasting. Yes. You have to explain yes. what television is. <laughs> Probably so. And what yet, a broadcast mm-hmm. is. <laughs> and yet also, I compare it to studying music. I say, don't come to, don't come to class with an empty guitar case. Be aware of what's going on. Uh, don't tell me you, you, you don't listen because that's like saying I'm studying music and I might get a guitar someday. Mm-hmm. Come uh, with, your, with your head full of it. But... Uh, in uh, along with that, here's a particular piece that I recorded today or last night, something I've heard in the last 24 hours that I want us to listen to and examine and think about. Here's the critical thinking part that I'm also trying to get them to apply is now tell me what's happening mm-hmm. in this piece we're listening to. Don't tell me what stories we heard. We can all tell what stories were heard. Tell me what was happening that the newscaster, the reporter, the people involved were doing in that story. What skills were they applying that we've discussed here in class? And you mentioned um, all these resources that you provide uh, to the students. Yes. I guess the idea is there is the, the, the greater variety and the, it gives them more entry points for that critical thinking, for that discussion, as opposed to just having a textbook chapter that they have to kind of process and regurgitate and answer a few questions on. But having all these different entry points allows them to say, oh, wait a minute, I have a slightly different take on this than I might have 
if you would just present it to me as a block of information? I would hope so. And I would hope that um, when they use them, then that helps them connect better with the idea that we've been discussing because it's written, it's written in the same language. It's not trying to compare a textbook to what was said in class. It's written in the same language as was used in class. Um, and whether it's in print form or audio form or video form, it relates directly to, to what we did in class. And I hope they can better draw the connections uh, that way. And they seem to appreciate and, and enjoy uh, those resources uh, when they use them. If, the, if they use them, they invariably say that they were useful. I was actually going to ask you about that in terms of student reaction. You said that they, they, they tend to appreciate that if they engage with the material. Do you find there is some resistance, at least initially, to, to that idea that, wait, we're not just pulling this out of a textbook and regurgitating. We have to actively engage with all these different materials? Yes, I would say so. I've done a little bit of, of research on this uh, with um, what I called required preparation materials that I wanted students to use uh, to be ready for class. And I found particularly with first semester students, first who are fresh from out of post-secondary, um, they didn't expect to need to do anything to prepare for class. And I often, I will often say when I'm explaining why I want students to use some material to prepare, I'll say, you know, think of any Hollywood movie or any big um, TV type series you've watched where there's a scene in a college or university classroom and they cannot help, the writers of these movies and shows, they cannot help but have a scene where a bell goes or something and the professor says to the room, for next week, read this chapter. <laughs> right, right. And so there's a cultural expectation there. I'm suggesting that we do something to prepare for class. So what I'm asking you now is, is to get to, with the idea that in Blackboard, the learning system, there will always be something for you to help you get ready for next class. So that when we start to discuss it, you already have an idea of something that goes with. And we'll have more examples in class, but there's something here for you to be able to say, I know something about this area we're going to be discussing. Likewise, there'll be a follow-up piece uh, in Blackboard for most classes that say, here are some notes from class that go with our discussion today. But yes, to the question of, of, of whether it's resistance or whether it's just lack of exposure to the idea of um, wanting to prepare for class, um, the preparation levels, the participation in use of the required preparation material was not great. And through follow-up interviews and discussion, I get the, I come to the conclusion that for a lot of first-year students, ad requiring advanced preparation is just not going to happen. It's not something that's in their, it's in their realm. It's not in, it's not in their world yet. Uh, they haven't adjusted to the idea. And um, some are, are going to say, uh, I don't have time to prepare. I'm, I'm, uh, I do my learning in class. Don't ask me to do stuff outside. I'm busy then. That's my life is going on. And so certainly in terms of, you asked me earlier about my time in college, that's a 180 degrees opposite from what I anticipated in college. I expected when I left that I've got work now. I've right, got, a, I've got right. a lot of work to do based on what we've been doing in, in classes today. Now I've got to get down to it. Uh, and I have things to do to prepare for next class. Um, but that is not perhaps in keeping with um, the way a lot of uh, students think today. So how do you, you know, how do you break through that? And also, how does, an, how does any professor sort of break through that, that way of thinking, through that uh, conception of class as a thing that's either on or off? I think it's a, a discussion you need to have with students. 
um, early in the semester. Uh, one of the students involved in the research project um, suggested um, the professor should tell us in, that in this course, Blackboard is your best friend. And I, I thought about that and I thought, I always tell you stuff is there. So I'm saying, I went to class one day, I said, by the way, in this course, Blackboard is your best friend. There always will be something for you in Blackboard to help you follow up a class or help you prepare for a class. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you have to have that discussion. And um, I try to give students uh, some uh, idea of my expectations of them as students. I go over the course outline and say, here's, here's my social contract with you. I will deliver these outcomes. You will be able to do these things if you take part in this course and participate fully. But here's what I need you to know about what I expect from you. Here's how I conduct classes. Um, there's always something available in Blackboard. Um, there, there are always clear instructions on an assignment. If you, if you go to the site and read the instructions um, and just try to encourage them to um, take ownership and responsibility and some control of, uh, of, their, of their learning by using those materials and knowing, yeah, there's always something there. I should check it. I should go back and check. I'm wondering what's our style for writing this type of piece? You're right. The professor said there's a resource in Blackboard. I could, look, I could just look it up and mm -hmm. see it there. I could look it up. And, that, and I tried to get them to make that connection of use the resource. It's going to be there all semester. Our skills are cumulative. We're building along the way. When you get down to assignment six, there might be some, a resource that was posted around the time of assignment two that still makes sense because I told you they were all building. You could go back and refer to that one to make sure you're still following the, the kind of um, approach that we're looking for. And I'm sure that must be an ongoing conversation too, not just a first, you know, first class or first week discussion. It's probably comes up throughout the course. It does. Just it does. Almost every class, I, I remind students, there's something in Blackboard or there will be or there is or did you use this or did you see that? Because here's another example now that we're going to talk about in class. That Blackboard kind of is your best friend. Blackboard like is your best friend. <laughs> That's a great concept. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Paul. This has been great. And I will say, you know, uh, We've had many great discussions in here, but you have by far the best podcast voice <laughs> we've had in a guest so far. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Nathan. Next Cast is produced by Humber Press and the Creative Productions team at the Center for Teaching and Learning at Humber College. Special thanks to Panit Waugh, Santino Pinozzo, Allison Lasorda, Darren Richards, and Eileen DeCourcy. To suggest stories for future episodes of NextCast or to let us know what you think, email HumberPress, all one word, at humber.ca. That's humberpress at humber.ca. To learn more about the workshops, teaching certificates, and other support offered through the Center for Teaching and Learning, and to read issues of Next Magazine, go to humber.ca slash Center for Teaching and Learning. Thanks for listening. See you next time. That's not a pun. Blackboard is your best friend. <laughs>